on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Does Dude Where's My Car deserve respect as the inspiration for the Hangover series? Is it fair to call this a B-grade, maybe C-grade version of Dumb and Dumber? In 2022, is it possible to look past the misogynistic plot points that drive the entire movie? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me on his never-ending search for the continuum transfunctioner is Trevor Scott from Bitstorm. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, John O, for having me on. It's all right. I don't know what number this is. It's like seven or eight. Like, I'm... Yeah. I'm up there with, with Brendan. I, I was looking yeah, at the the other day. <laughs> probably would be. Uh, Brendan's like a very regular guest over the, the course of, of the show. And and you've, there, was a, there was a period where you were mostly Kevin Smith movies, but now mm-hmm. I've, I've realized what an asset you are because of your willingness to talk about anything. So you'll, <laughs> quickly, ca- you'll quickly catch up to Brendan, uh, uh, I'm sure, uh, if you haven't already. But yeah, we're talking about Dude, Where's My Car, uh, which is a episode that I didn't know would ever come because I was like who's going to want to talk about dude where's my car and then you mentioned it without me even bringing it up one day and I was like oh mm-hmm. I, f- I found another fan <laughs> of this uh 2000 slash 2001 depending on where you live uh stoner comedy and uh wow this is one of those movies that I watched a lot in high school um how old were you in 2001 when this came to Australia uh 21 well 20, yeah. about to turn 21. Um, yeah, yeah. I was born in 1980, so it was nice to actually sure. remember how old I was because <laughs> in, in 2000, I was 20. <laughs> yeah. See, see, I don't think I watched it when it came out. I think that... I don't think my parents would have allowed me... I think I actually tried to go and they're like, oh, it's a stoner... Like, reading the description, oh, it's a stoner comedy. No, you, it's not appropriate or whatever. So, I was probably like... To the next year or the year after, probably 13 or 14 when I finally got around to watching it with my friends on DVD and we must have rented it a few times because we watched mm. it a lot and it, it was all very familiar even though I hadn't watched it for probably f- at least 10 to 15 years. Um, a lot of it has stuck with me over the years. A lot of it gets quoted mm-hmm. um, or, or when I was especially hanging out with with my high school friends a lot more than I do now. It was getting quoted a lot. Uh, so shout out to, to my pal Smallsy. Definitely watched this <laughs> many a sleepover. But um, what was your initial memory and experience with this movie? Because you, as you said, we're a bit older. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say before you go, like I wasn't a stoner, never have been, but I was a, you know, pubescent 13, 14 year old. And I feel like, they're basically the same thing, like as far as what mm. you find funny, <laughs> like yeah. the, the stupid humor in this movie that I can see appealing to the stoners was very appealing to a teenage boy. I mean, I I remember going down and borrowing this from the video store. Uh, I was working at Pizza Hut at the time, so as oh, nice, nice connection. <laughs> it was a nice connection, um, <laughs> and it happened to be one of these films that. Um, We'd occasionally on a Friday, Saturday night when it got when it got quiet, would chuck a movie on in the um in the back room, and while I'm doing paperwork because I was a manager at the Pizza Hut at the time and all this sort of stuff, and just being able to watch what was going on and have that on. We must have watched it 
a good three or four times over mm. over that first weekend. Uh, oh, geez. And it was my, my wife and I, because my wife was, well, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she was working at the Pizza, pizza Hut, okay. in our local Pizza Hut. I was the manager. She was one of the delivery drivers and we had a few others and we were all just watching, having a good laugh and good old VHS <laughs> because we didn't have a DVD player right. there. So. And then I'm pretty sure that later on Pizza Hut actually had this as one of the one of the videos that they, they actually gave out to um gave out to customers like they did some video um deals okay. at one stage so i'm pretty sure it was another one of those ones and it went on again so i was very much the same as you i've got a lot of things that stuck with me i knew every beat that was coming up mm-hmm. and then i i selectively forgot a few bits and sure. we'll go into that a <laughs> little bit later on yeah so, so I'm interested, like I said, that it appealed to me being a dumb kid, mm. basically. But you clearly liked it when you watched it. Yes. Yes. I mean, <laughs> what do you I, think appealed to you I, about it? I, I I worked in a pizza pizza store, which is... And I, I did know a lot of um, very hungry stoners. And okay. it just... I mean, it was it sort of felt Kevin Smith-ish, like with, with like certain parts of that uh certain parts of the movie and that sort of stuff so it just it appealed to to me plus it was it was funny yeah you're right like there's these kind of there's kind of two sides to the older kevin smith movies and the jay and silent bob movies where there's like this great dialogue that he's known for and then this more slapstick kind of dumb stuff yeah and this is more the the dumb kind of dumb stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) definitely there's not really any witty banter going on in this one um so yeah, I can see I can see that how they honed in on those more over the top, cartoonish aspects of of um, the Kevin Smith movies. So would you say that um, there's a, there must be a fair bit of nostalgia attached to this for you and your wife to rewatch it together this week? Yeah, yeah, we watched it on. <clears throat> you told me on Sunday night that we were that we were going to record this, and yeah. we watched it Sunday night. So, <laughs> yeah, we were we jumped, we jumped straight into watching it, and we were laughing all the way through, and I was taking notes, and it wasn't until the next day that I remembered that, yeah, we'd we'd spent probably a lot of weekends in in the back room of Pizza Hut just watching watching this movie and a, and a couple of the others that, that were around at the time. And you mentioned just you even went as far as watching the commentary with the director yes, the director's Ashton, commentary Ashton Kutcher <laughs> and Sean William Scott did you, did you get a sense of when they recorded that it definitely felt like it had come out um because like they were sort of, probably because they don't do those directors be, be, cut straight they away. don't do it straight away it sounds like it sounded like it had come out and then they were like oh the DVD's coming up let's let's record something yeah. um because it, I mean, it came out in December of um, two thousand two thousand in America. The States. So it probably was recorded around February of two thousand one. Okay, so it was pretty um, fresh. It was pretty fresh. Yeah. And um, what did they say about it? Like, did they cl- did they clearly enjoy the experience of watching? Oh, they it? they what? absolutely loved the experience. They um, they were talking about how. Uh, one of the, and we'll get to the the iconic scenes, but the the scene where they first come out and go, dude, where, where's your car and yeah. all that sort of stuff. 
that was the first scene that was actually filmed. Okay. So it was where they already had to have some sort of, um, you know, friendship already, and you had to had to believe in that friendship. But Ashton wasn't feeling well, and it's like they're going down and going into a little bit of this scene here is where you know Sean William Scott came back from um, spring break and was sunburnt, so that's why he looks redder in this scene. <laughs> and it's like it's going down into those sort of details, which was yeah. which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, well, feel free to sprinkle little tidbits throughout the podcast, as I'm sure you will. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like the the other thing that I wrote down for my experience and, and memories with the, this movie is that it's like the stoner B-grade version of Dumb and Dumber, where, yeah. uh, you know, it's the two guys, they're both really stupid, and they just get up to hijinks as they try to navigate the world around them. It's, it's nowhere near as clever... Um, like I said, certainly the B or C grade version of that this film. Is, but. This is, as, I'll, this weekend, um, my wife and I went to the new Jurassic Park film, uh-huh. well, Jurassic World film, uh, Dominion, and we loved it because we switched our brains off when we went into it. It was just a popcorn movie. That's mm. what this was to me. It was just something that you had on in the background that you could have a laugh at. If If you try to think about that doesn't make sense, it's like, of course it doesn't because it's just... Stupid, yeah, um, certainly. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get we'll get to some of the more problematic issues later on. That yes, got a lot to say about that. <laughs> sure. So the critics certainly um, weren't able to switch their brains off with this one. Do you have a guess for the Rotten Tomatoes score? Yeah. So I I knew that it did well money wise, but I had a feeling it did really bad and you've just confirmed that so <laughs> i'm going to go that not many would have said yes so i'll go around the 27 mark 17 17 percent. i was off by 10 okay so yeah. the the tomatoes meter wasn't or the <laughs> tomatometer wasn't wasn't as close this time but no definitely rotten um one of the one of the lower numbers of this podcast that's for sure probably similar to a kung pao percentage but you know that's some good company i think um you're right it made 73 million dollars off a 13 million dollar budget yeah um <laughs> it <and> made bank <laughs> yeah that, that's pretty good you know that's like four or five times it's it's budget um i'm not the best at math but figure it out um I feel like a lot of that would have already just been to go to Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott because they were pretty big when this came out. Although I guess this is possibly the film that made them that because American Pie was American Pie. It was a low budget thing and they yeah. like, he was the breakout star. So I guess he probably wasn't demanding much money. And then Ashton yeah, Kutcher and, and was Ashton- just a TV star. Yeah. At the time, yeah, it was just TV. So this is his yeah. like big. Well, whether it's his actual breakout film, I can't remember exactly. Oh. I know Butterfly Effect is around this time. Maybe yeah, a few Butterfly later. Effect oh, was two thousand and four. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, four or yeah. five. And five, four or five, either one. And that um, I don't know if, if that did well. I certainly loved it when it came. I out. saw it three times <laughs> in the cinemas because I went and saw it by myself. Then I invited my my girlfriend along. Now my wife, and then I invited my <laughs> then I invited my parents along because I'm like, this is such a cool film. I wanted to share it with more people. And then yeah. the DVD came out, and it came out with a dodgy ending instead of the the yeah. theatrical ending. And I really didn't enjoy that ending. 
Didn't we could do a whole different podcast about the butterfly yes, effect. Yes, we could. I was, but it's not a comedy, so we can't talk about it. So, <laughs> that, Yeah. I mean, just a quick side tangent. That was like one of the movies that opened my mind to a different style of film. Like I hadn't seen Donnie Darko because it was a cult hit. Mm. Um, oh, and then after I saw Butterfly Effect, I saw like the cover art for Donnie Darko and I was like, hold on a second. This is basically exactly the same. Um, yeah. And yeah, like it's, especially for like a 16, 17 year old that I was, it was very much like, whoa, like a a total, you know, mind bending experience to to watch Mm. this kind of thing. But anyway, Um, we digress. The the other movie that this, that Dude Where's My Car reminded me of was kind of Bill and Ted. Like, they, they felt very much like them. And when I was growing up, when I was 13, when the the first movie came out or whatever like it was just amazing and then in fact it must have been earlier because i um i was in primary school that i went when i went to um when i went to bogus journey with with a friend for his um for his birthday and we weren't friends in high school so it has to be had to be you know (laughs) before 92 that that came out (laughs) yeah um, i wouldn't be surprised if they were setting out to make like a new bill and ted with this film, essentially. Mm. Uh, I've got some comments from the critics. Uh, Entertainment Weekly <laughs> says, the definition of aiming low is when the John Hughes film you're ripping off is weird science. Um, I don't okay, know what no. it has in common with weird science, but sure. <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, they, cre- they create a... A woman. They create a, you know, a woman from scratch in that. And it's like, that's got... It's got nothing to do with this. Uh, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um... A, a a publication or website called The List says one wonders if the film would have not been better if it had concentrated on the night before instead of telling this far more interesting story in mere flashback. I didn't mind that comment because it was like, yeah, like it, it's it's I, I do like the concept of the night after and retracing the steps, but it would be interesting to see a movie that's like just the, the crazy night that happened that they completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, I can get why you think that might work, but until you realise that it's just, yeah, crazy things are going on, but you still need to get to, like, the next day. And the, the fact that you're chasing their car and, and they keep missing it and all this sort of stuff, that's what mm. keeps the energy moving along, not, not the fact that hijinks are happening in fact you can breathe because you you only know what the um yeah what the characters know. What, what the characters know and you're as in the dark as they are and they're they're able to react to something that has already happened rather than it happening to them so it's almost like you're both learning at the same time yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, much like another film that we recently did which we'll talk about a bit later uh village voice was the positive comment that I could find. It was, wasn't was easy to find positive comment, but they said that it's a daft and lovable and even kind of daring film and deserves its truly clueless studio's belabored support. I guess it's a kind of a backhand compliment. But anyway. Yeah, it's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> the number one song when this movie released uh, in Australia on the ARIA charts. Do you, have, uh, do you have a guess for this one? Do I have a guess? Uh, so it's 2000s, 2001. Yeah, so 2001. I'm going to say 
It was April for us. April. Oh, sorry, 29th mm-hmm. of March. Yeah. 29th of March. Um, God, I'm going to show my age here and say <laughs> M&M. <laughs> You're so good at this. It's close. So it's close. If you if it had come out a few weeks earlier, it would have been Eminem with Stan. Yep. Featuring Dido. Uh but it was Case of the X by Maya. Oh yep, yep. And then a couple of weeks later, Shaggy's It Wasn't Me was number one. Yep. Um earlier in the year, just because it will help people um take that trip back to two thousand one. Teenage Dirtbag, Cruising <laughs> <Weezer. laughs> by Gwyneth Paltrow and Huey Lewis. And uh, Can't Fight the Moonlight, which was Leanne Rhymes' song Ugh. from Coyote Ugly. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, not not one of my favourite films of the year 2000 and 2001. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, good good year for music, I'll say. That's, that's some yeah. good pop songs there. But you I know? knew Eminem was popular around then, so I'm, I'm happy yeah. with that. You know, a couple of weeks early. Yeah. You're, you're never too far off with these guesses, I have to say. You're one of the better guesses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Trevor, what have you done for me lately? So Ashton Kutcher is apparently working on that 90s show, which I'm very excited to see, just out mm, of morbid curiosity. Big 70s show fan. Yeah, my here. wife and I watched it uh, when we first got Netflix, and nice. we watched it all the way through. That was really, really quite good. Um, I didn't really get it like any of his punked stuff that he got into. Uh, a few of his films that he did recently were, were you know, Kind of good. Yeah. Um, Punked was a novel concept for me when it started, but I never sat down and watched the show. It was more like like downloading clips on, on the internet and watching specific moments, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. I, never, yeah. I never watched the end of Two and a Half Men where, where uh, he joined. Yeah, he yeah joined no, neither. <laughs> He's had a very up and down career because it, it started so well, I think, as far as like his popularity. Um, and celebrity status, you know, he was married to um, Demi, Demi Moore, Moore and um, and Mila all, that, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, but then so like a lot of hits and miss, uh, a lot of misses in that lineup of um, of rom coms and that kind of thing. And I think his um, his Steve Jobs movie was like the lesser of of the two. The two. Yep. Um, and that probably hurts a bit because I feel like that might have been his big like I'm a serious actor, take me seriously mm. kind of moment. Um, but I do think he can act, and he's he, great. He at- proved that he could act when when I mean Butterfly Effect. I mean yes, that was a exactly. brilliant, brilliant film. He had to play so many different characters in that, and you felt for him like as he's going through all these things. And the kid that they got to play him was really really good because you mm. actually. You know, you felt like it was the same character going, yeah, going sure. between the two, the um, the different time periods. That's it, um, and yeah, really great at physical comedy, mm. especially which he gets a bit of a chance to do in this film, uh, which we'll get to later. The other thing he's been doing lately is a animated series called Stoner Cats. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that. I hadn't heard of it till I looked it up, but um, Mila, Mila Kunis does a voice on there and. I Some haven't watched The Ranch actors. either, and I've been wanting to watch that. That was another film that, he, another TV series that yeah. he was involved in. Yeah. Uh, Sean William Scott has certainly been less busy than he was in the 2000s. Uh, he's just done a TV series called Welcome to Flatch, which. Yeah, on- it actually looks kind of 
kind of weird. I watched yeah. a, a few things about it where he was talking about a potential sequel to um, Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah, there was a cool. Uh, yeah, I did read that it was like a seriously, it was called Seriously, Dude, Where's My Car? Um, yeah. And it's in development hell, so I don't think that's ever going to come um, at this point. But pretty much both of them have said, yeah, if, if we can get it together, then we'll, they'll both be in it. So. Jeez, what would they be now? Like they'd, they'd be in their forties. <laughs> yeah, but like a Cheech think, and Chong think kind about, of thing. <laughs> think about how well um, Bill and Ted Face the Music did. Like, oh, yeah. that was well, a yeah, really, no, really good, really good film. And and those guys are much older. So much fun. Mm. Um, Jennifer Garner. This <laughs> was one of her first pre alias. Yeah, yep. I don't think anyone knew who she was, and it's it's pretty obvious because she doesn't have much to do. But she's a big name, and she's worth talking about here. So I just watched a movie on Netflix with Ryan Reynolds called The Adam Project, and she mm-hmm. plays his mother in that, yep. which is possible through like time traveling, which is the theme. Um, she's really good in that, and I think she's a great actor. Um, yep. David Herman, who people... I, I didn't even recognize him as his role from Office Space, which is probably where he's best known. Um, and he's just done like a million animated things and still does like all the stuff that he works on is still like active. So Bob's yep. Burger, Disenchantment, American Dad, Futurama, Central Park, and the Bob's Burger movie just came out. So he's a very busy boy. Very much so. Yeah, there wasn't really anyone else that I thought was worth. I mean, the about. the the other girlfriend was actually a an actress who was in Full House and Fuller House. Yes. So, Marka Sokolov, yes. great name. So yeah, I'm like, I, why do I recognize her? And I'm like, hang on, we just watched we just watched it all the way through Fuller House recently. So uh, okay. <laughs> so did you say she was in the original as well? She was, she was in, in the original. Full House. Wow. In Full House, as the same character, they oh, brought her back, um, right. and she she was the one who was sort of being a, a bad influence for um, Stephanie. Right. Yeah, I'm just looking through her IMDb, and it's it's great. There's Mainly like, Full House. <laughs> it's like it's Full House, Step by Step, um, Home Improvement, Third Rock from the Sun, Party of Five. Uh, we got you know Friends, The Practice. Uh, Burn Notice. She's had a good run. Yeah. Grey's Anatomy, you know, all this stuff. Fuller House, it's all come full circle. Mm. Um, But yeah, like there's a few other roles in this film, but they were the the main ones that I thought were worth talking about. Worth calling out, yep. Yeah, so we can move into what is the most 2000s moment. What did you have for this? Uh, Where they get the (laughs) tracksuits. Then then they've got those, those... weird mobile phones and then they go into this rap scene and I'm like that is so 2000s like mm. <laughs> even though it felt 90s as well it's like it's that early thousands moment of where it was get, getting um, getting that that leech leech on effect of, of the 90s just leeching into the 2000s a little bit yeah that was like um, Bust the Move is a, a song from like eight, the 80s, 1989. Yeah. So it was almost like a nostalgic retro song for them to be singing it in 2000. Yeah, but it felt like they were doing it as a as a 2000s version of that. Like it was, I don't yeah. know, it just, it definitely didn't feel 80s to me. No, yeah, you're right. 
and it was very much that like hip hop music video MTV kind of vibe on it. Mm-hmm. So the th- the first thing I wrote down was Ashton Kutcher's hair. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was that's a- definitely a look. Uh, but you're right, the cell phones that they pulled out with the massive antennas. Mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't have phones until that moment is yeah very 2000s. Uh, the, there's a good Charlotte song, which hit pretty hard for me, Little Things, when they're in the car <laughs> with, with Fabio. I guess Fabio himself, like is he a 90s or a 2000s figure? Probably more 90s. But the, the, the winner for me in this category is when Andy Dick says, email me guyincage.com or whatever it is and I'm like that's not an email address that's a website now, he he actually says because I, I had the subtitles on while I was watching the uh, di- director's commentary he said um, email me via my website freakingcage.com uh, okay. which right. at the time was a website that had just a photo of Andy Dick in, a, in his makeup and stuff in a cage so he, says, was no- he says via he yeah. says, okay, I missed that. I had subtitles on as well, but I, I didn't see that. Even still... Uh, on, it was on the DVD more than the um, more than the Disney Plus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is... Better subtitles. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, even still, like, to, to, to go to someone's website to email them is... Um, a, a it's bit... a very beginning of the internet kind of thing. <laughs> it's a very obnoxious way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, we say beginning of the internet, but the internet had been around in its in its like um, well known form for about six years at this stage. Ninety four is where you know it sort of t- started taking off for for people, and then ninety five it really took off because you know it was part of Windows ninety five. Is yeah, for sure. I feel like there was still probably still depended on your tech savviness and your financial situation as to whether you had like a, a home computer with the internet um, mm-hmm. but this was this was right around the time where you didn't have to go to the library or to your dad's work or to the school computer no you just ch- to, you just yeah. chucked an Encarta 96 disc in your in your computer <laughs> yeah good old dial up okay most iconic scene what do you have for oh, this, I've, got, I've, I've got, got four I've got, of them. I've got th- <laughs> I had three, um, but I think I know what your fourth is, and I could probably get on board with that too. So let's go. Let's alternate. Dude, where's my car? Where's your <laughs> car, dude? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like, where's your car? <laughs> and, and it's just, they're just looking up and down the street. It's so iconic. It is where they say the actual mm. uh, name of of the movie and it's also where you get the feeling that these two guys they're best friends and they're just stupid as hell and this Mm -hmm. is the type of movie that you're in for yeah so question was the car behind the uh milk truck or whatever the post truck the whole time no it wasn't it was not (laughs) it was not because they um and you can tell that it wasn't because later on when brent spiner gives them the key to oh, true. It was to impounded, Stews. of course. So yeah. he did definitely have the car then, yeah. Because he, otherwise, he he couldn't have given him the given them the key, and they wouldn't have got to Captain Stews. So go. ah, gotcha. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, okay, so yep, that makes sense. That's that, that is you know it's the iconic line. It's great name for a movie. Um, so the one that I wrote down first of all was uh, and then. So obviously, you know, 
Chinese takeaway, and then and then and then and then and then him smashing the the uh, intercom box as they as they drive away. That was the very quoted thing that came out of this movie, I think, other than Shibby, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> I, st- I still don't know if that was a, a thing that they made up for this movie. I think they made it up. Yeah. They didn't anyway. actually mention in the director's commentary, but it felt like they they definitely made that up. And mm. I didn't remember. That's one of the things that I didn't remember. Um, so I still that's... say Shibby to this day. <laughs> Do you? Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure that my wife has no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so that yeah, that was that was one that I thought deserved a uh, nomination here. So back to you, dude. Sweet tattoos. Yeah, I had this too. Yeah. So that was that's. I certainly remember that one from the trailer being a big part of um, the marketing. What does mine mm-hmm. say? And the the fight that ensues, and it's a great, it's such a great, stupid and simple gag, but it just, it's just still funny. <laughs> yeah. So they mentioned that while they were doing it, they weren't sure that this was working as a joke, but they just they they had um, did all the shots coverage on on um, I think it was Sean William Scott first, mm. and then they did the coverage on on Ashton after that, and they just kept on hyping it up, hyping it up, hyping it up, and going crazier and crazier and crazier, <laughs> and then they just cut it together the way that you now see it but it was um they're like is this working it's like we'll see in the edit yeah. and of now it's like one of the classic scenes of the it entire is. film so i just love how they just gradually get more and more yeah. frustrated and annoyed until they're just literally screaming in each other's faces <laughs> um interesting i think the south park guys claimed that they stole the it's a different joke, but they, they I think they claimed that they stole it from basketball because there's a, a, a scene where they have this like back and forth dialogue where they only say dude, yep. but it's like the, the inflection of how they say it is the meaning of it. So See, I, I see that as a totally different scene. Yeah. I see that as they're having a full conversation just with the word dude, whereas in this, they're... It's a confusion thing. It's yeah. a confusion thing. It's a it's a thing that they don't realize that the other person is saying the word that they've got tattooed on the back, and it's just they're overhyping it. So totally, therefore, it's not the same. Yeah. So the other one I had was um, the the kiss in the car <laughs> in front of okay. Fabio, like with the with the music playing. It, it was very, um, it's very memorable scene like as soon as they pulled up in the car i was like oh it's, it's this part and um it's that escalation of um putting the arm around then the kiss and at that time in 2000 it was i'm gonna say it was still pretty like shocking for two like prominent clearly heterosexual dudes to to make out in a movie mm-hmm. for a laugh like it was still quite um like, oh, i can't believe they did that um so that certainly is when when we're talking about most iconic, I certainly never f- would forget that. <laughs> mm. Um, I've got two more. Yep, let's hear it. I think I know what one of them might be, but go for it. Go for it. Zoltan, of course. <laughs> um, I just <laughs> is I, that a I scene or just every time it happens? Just it's 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 just it's just the hand the hand signal of Zoltan. 
Like, it's just so cool. Mm. <laughs> I love it. Between um, that and the continuum transfunctioner, and every time yeah. someone says continuum transfunctioner, it's, um, yeah, there's, there's some good yeah. stuff there. <laughs> but but the, the whole, that whole scene in the barn is so, so good. Uh, so many classic scenes that happen all at once in, in, in that same vicinity, like Ashton Kutcher trying to mime to, um, you know, Sean Williams got to pick up the pick up the fire extinguisher and yeah. knock him out, and then he does it, and he goes, "That's what I wanted you to do." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then the last one was the ostrich scene. I just yeah. love the ostriches. There's there's something about how there's one, and then they turn around, and there's two, and then they turn around, and there's like three now. <laughs> it's like they just keep on coming in. It's that to me is something I'll never forget. Like terrifying. I think even Scrubs kind of paid tribute to that with a, a moment where Turk and JD were hiding from ostriches and one of the ostriches ends up stealing his hat and there's a, it's a very dude wears my car moment sometime in the mid-2000s when they made that. So I, I guess it, um, it, it, was, it permeated pop culture to, to some extent to the fact that people would reference it in, in other entertainment. Mm. Okay, uh, so what holds up the best for you? I'm, I'll go first. Uh, I think the concept of this film holds up really well. The whole idea of retracing the steps to figure out what happened. The Hangover came along nine years later and did this to much greater success and yes. critical acclaim. Um, probably, yes. probably did it better. Um, and they get points for doing it first, I think. So yeah. that that's um that's what I think it it's it's you know that whole thing of like exactly what you said before we're finding out the same way at the same rate that they're finding out we're trying to figure it out before they do but of course there's all the twists and turns and it just escalates and gets crazier and crazier to the point that you've got aliens you've got like a, a alien cult in bubble wrap Mm-hmm. And uh, some before you know it, we're at a mini golf uh, with a giant alien woman mm-hmm. running around half naked. So, um, yeah, it's just that escalation of craziness as well as the, the, that concept of the the night after. Yeah, yeah, that really does hold up the best. And I think there are certain certain scenes and it's it comes back to the most iconic scenes that I put through were the ones that actually to me held up the best. Um I'll get I'll get onto what I think of some of the other scenes a, a little bit later and what holds up the worst because I've got a lot to say in there. <laughs> Unfortunately. The other, the other thing I'll throw out is just the chemistry between Ashton and, and Sean. Oh, yeah. I think that they do seem like guys who would live together. Um mm. I, I love how they have that third roommate or housemate that just comes out pees and goes back to bed like certainly when i was at uni lived with people or new people in the different like dorms who would just kind of exit their room very briefly to make some food and then disappear and go back to their laptop or whatever and you you wouldn't see them again (laughs) until the middle of the night when they come out for for air but uh yeah Should, should we go to what holds up the worst because it seems sure. like you got a bit to say. Um, there's a lot here because it is it's like that kind of movie. That's you know it's about young people. Um, 
it's about stoners, so they're not necessarily going to be PC all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I will th- I will throw out this one that's probably different from I think what you're going to talk about, but there's a lot of very casual cheating on their girlfriends happening here where they're constantly trying to score with whether it's a stripper, whether it's um, the alien chicks who are promising them pleasure, whatever Christy it is. Christy Boner. Yeah, um... Christy Boner, yeah. There's a lot of um, like talk about, you know, did we hook up with Christy Boner last? Like, it's just all these things happening and it's like, isn't the whole point that you're trying to like be good boyfriends? And, and they're only trying to be good boyfriends so they get their special treats. Yes. Which is... <laughs> and then ugh, it's... That's problematic in, in the first place that they're, they're being good boyfriends so that they can have sex with their girlfriends. And I'm kind of glad that they didn't go there. But then they went to a much worse place, which was the breast enlargement necklaces. Yes. And it's like... The objectification of women and, throughout this entire film, the rampant misogyny, transphobia, homophobia, and racist stereotypes. Yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) There is so much going on. Like, that whole subplot about the um, transgender woman, like, being sexually confused and them using old language and being really hurtful stereotypes. Yeah, and them being disgusted about about this, um, and that that's um about this so, woman. Yeah, so uh, it's ugh, ugh. It, so that they refer to her as a transsexual stripper. Mm. They did use her pronouns, which was better than talking about mm. them as like yeah. a dude or whatever. Um, did they but dub then, a man's voice over the top? No. No, so what actually happened, and they talked about this, she actually has a rather deep voice, but they just, they made her voice just like slightly they, deeper, not even a full octave, just a little bit deeper. Yeah. They had to actually pitch shift it up more for when she was when she was actually talking as a woman because like she has a deep voice right? normally. like, And so they, they wanted to give that a little bit more... Uh, distance between between the two right, right. different pictures. Interesting, but yeah, the, the whole um, section when that that stripper's like boyfriend or partner comes along at the end with like the texter moustache and they're kissing and it's like smudged all over the face. It's just, it's like, it's kind of it's like just gross and cringe and not mm. respectful. I guess is so the term. I remembered. Loving, and you said that um, in the most most iconic scene, you love the and then scene. That to me is problematic now. Like it's very much a a racist stereotype of you know the way that um, Chinese people speak, and mm-hmm. you know it it really didn't feel. Um, I couldn't laugh at it this time. Like it, it just it yeah. felt wrong. <laughs> so. When I said it was iconic, I never thought found it as funny as everyone else because mm. it wasn't very yeah. clever. It was just like, oh, then for some reason they just keep saying and then it doesn't really make any sense. They're not going to make any money as a business if this is how they talk to, to their customers. A um, <laughs> l- little bit of trivia: uh, there is like some Chinese writing around um, around the scene somewhere, and the it speaker says, "Box, I think, yeah, around the speaker box." Is there anything else in in Chinese, yeah. which is, you know, 
and then it kind of is a little bit smart in that in that way but for the most part there is the other thing is the the hot chicks that you mentioned before like mm-hmm. they just they're objectifying these these five hot chicks and keep on calling them you know and calling them names just because you know uh, the the girlfriends at the end say something about you know you fake breasted sluts or whatever yeah. it's like oh god we <laughs> it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel good it's very like, teenage it's like what you it, would expect like 14 year old kids it left a really bad talk. taste in my mouth and i'm like i don't know whether i love this film anymore like <laughs> i i haven't watched it in a number of years and yeah <laughs> it's it's definitely yeah there's also the um uh, gay slur about the Dalai Lama that got thrown mm-hmm. in there, which is very jarring to hear, even though it was 2000, and that's definitely how people spoke at the time. And in the audio commentary, there's a few F slurs, and that Oh, really? It, even more jarring, probably. It's... Yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so, yep. I, and I guess none of this would have probably... Been, it wasn't none of it was surprising to me because of the, just of the type of movie it is and the type of uh, characters that it's about. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't make it any less jarring to listen to and watch twenty one slash twenty two years later. And you know that's I guess the point of this podcast. We're looking back at how things hold up and not everything does. Um, the the character of Nelson was also very strange. To me, this um, I guess drug dealer like guru Yoda like character, yeah, and like the way he spoke, I, I never really found it funny that he spoke in backwards, and I couldn't tell if it was a Yoda thing or if it was like a sensei racial thing. But um, mm. either way, uh, doesn't doesn't hold up well in even just in terms of comedy. I didn't find it. Very funny at all. Um, um, yeah. The stoner dog, you know. It, the stoner yeah. dog, the dog smoking weed. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> hold up well either from multiple angles, notably even like the, the practical effects on that one. Oh, the practical effects. They're, they're, it, <laughs> hey, at least they went with practical effects and it wasn't like that really, really dodgy dancing stripper cat in the in the intro sequence. That was the worst CGI that oh. I've seen. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I kind of fast-forwarded through the opening credits but yeah that um that doesn't sound good what did you think of the other cg like there's the the five hot chicks morphing into the one um then obviously the giant alien chick roaming hey look through. they for the time they actually did pretty well with the budget yeah. like there's um you know it's not james cameron or ilm level of of cgi but hey the um <laughs> the the Ruby's cube turning into the continuum transfunction yeah. um looked pretty good except for the mistake that they made in the in the Ruby's cube yeah i i, I read about that um yeah the, yeah the, the white orange... side was right next uh, white yeah. and the and the yellow were next to each other and they're usually set, uh, yeah, opposite right. see <laughs> oh, <laughs> Travis brought his uh, continuum transfunctional with him for the yes. podcast um, but yeah, it's but, solved unfortunately, so it's it, broken. <laughs> it goes from the CG to him holding like an, a practical like orb. Um, yeah, p- pretty pretty flawlessly. I, I thought that that was pretty good for twenty two. And that ago. was a that was a real functioning prop. Mm. Like 
all the lights and all that sort of stuff yeah. uh, were actually functioning on, on the set, and they had lots of issues with that prop, because <laughs> it did break. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and, and I mentioned the scene where um, uh, Jesse and Chester make out in the car as being iconic but i think there would also be people that would be probably offended these days that it's done for a laugh um yeah but yeah anyway um who would be the most offended i think that we've probably just talked about all these different yeah. groups of people um a lot I of mean, people the the, the, <laughs> the the objectification of women i would hope that you know we've we've gotten past that now yeah so. this is such a male gazy film like mm. it's completely 100% written from the perspective of a dude I would be shocked if there was a f- if you told me that a woman wrote this movie I would be like falling out of my chair because it's or I mean I guess it could be a, a, a gay woman could have written it but even still it's like it's about these two guys that are everything is about um, them getting sex or them being stimulated by women and it's it's oh, it's, it's um it's, Ugh, bad taste in the mouth. <laughs> it's it's just it's just um even if you, if you take out if you take out complete like wokeness of of feminine of feminine uh, femin, feminism out of the equation, it's just bad. Like it's just yeah. doesn't. It's just like it's trying too hard. That kind of thing. It's, it feels like teenage boys were involved and consulted mm-hmm. on. What would be cool to have in this movie? And they went, "That's a great idea. Let's let's listen to the teenage boys focus group." Um, but you know, I think it, it as much as we've talked about those problems, it says a lot about the other moments that aren't all those things yep. that we probably still enjoyed ourselves rewatching it. Um, um, yeah. I really have to say, um, you know, that whole scene after those ostriches where they're in the cage. And they do almost like a uh, an homage to um, you know Monty Python, the Holy Grail, with the uh, what is the average land speed of of you know mm-hmm. the the swallow, ostrich African and, swallow. <laughs> yeah, and it sort of feels like the the airspeed velocity of <laughs> of a um, yeah of, of the swallow. <laughs> it's just it felt really good to then have Sean William Scott step up and give. All this information is like, oh yeah, he was watching Animal Planet at the start, and it felt like that was a good callback to him him watching, um, watching the TV right at the very start. And you're like, okay, so these these guys can sometimes recall information and, and keep it, and they can actually be kind of smarter than what they what they usually look like. And yeah, it you know, was it was one of like at least. Obviously, there's like the climax of the movie where he sticks the stick into the continuum transfunctioner, but I feel like there was at least one other reference to Animal Planet as well throughout mm. the movie. So yeah, it um it was a nice little little callback. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to does this pass the internet relevancy test? And I don't know. What do you think? I don't uh, think it does. I mean. I, I I said to you um, the other day once you, once you said you know I sent back Zoltan and you gave me a, a gift straight away I'm like yeah. yeah I've never seen that gift before like <laughs> yeah and yeah you could probably type in Shibby and you could actually get you know potentially a um a gif of it but it's it's not something that you see out there a lot 
So I just typed. It's in not like a key and peel. Yeah, no. <laughs> like you see them all the time. Yeah, I typed in sweet, and I have to scroll down like a hell of a lot. Three full scrolls to see uh, Ashton Kutcher yelling sweet. Um, yeah, at at Chester, but um, Shibby, I'm going to type in now, and it's there. I guess it's it's them sitting in the car giving like a a head nod to Fabio. It doesn't yeah. even come up with a shibby gif. It's just um, sweet, Zoltan, uh, <laughs> Big Lebowski. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say no. I think that there's like a, a sense where it's, you know, the, the question is, is it internet relevant? Maybe not internet relevant, but I think it's certainly still a relevant movie. It's it's still in the zeitgeist. Like, it's still, yes. it's still in the air. Yeah. I mean, as far as like people that are my age or your age are concerned. I don't know if yeah. kids these days are like getting through <laughs> <Jimmy>. this. <film. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you know, if, if you're listening to this as a twenty year old or twenty five year old and you want to know what people were like in the early two thousands, um this is a pretty good example of yeah, what a certain group of people how they spoke and dressed and looked. Um and uh, what kind of cars they drove as well. <laughs> how, how would modern smartphones and social media change this movie? Like, that, I that mean, would, there'd just be a trail break, on social media. Like, yeah, it'd break, break the whole the thing. Movie. So Facebook. <laughs> Although it, did, it didn't, it didn't break the Hangover. So, um, well, yeah. So we did the Hangover a, f- a few weeks back on this, and um, they kind of made a point of showing that the the group of dudes in that film were like not real phone people um, and they weren't on yeah. social media. So, and you know, it's easy enough to just, oh, we we lost our phones or we our phones went flat or whatever. But yeah, like there'd be Instagram stories, there'd be Facebook photos um, at a certain point in the timeline. Facebook of, check-ins even like... Yeah, I was going to say, at a certain point of social media timeline, there was a thing where you'd check into a location for some reason. Um, we don't really do that anymore, but there would certainly be a trail. If My not- wife and I checked into checked into Her Majesty's Theatre on the weekend because we oh, went and saw Hamilton. So <laughs> we do it all the time. Just when you when you're going to go see something that you want people to go, oh, you bastard! I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the problem is I'm not going anywhere. Cool, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the but yeah, yeah. Even if they weren't the ones doing it, you know, a few years after this movie came out, someone else would be taking their photo at a wild party and tagging them or whatever it would be. Yep. Okay. um, Could you make Dude, Where's My Car today? What would the 2022 version be? I guess it would be that sequel we talked about before. Or it would just be a stoner version of The Hangover. That's exactly what I wrote. I was going to say, if you took the original out of the equation and just said, could you make this today? I wrote down The Hangover with stoners. Um, which a good version of that would pretty much be like Pineapple Express meets The Hangover, I think. Yeah. Um, and that would work great. I'd, I'd watch that um, with mm-hmm. Seth Rogen, James Franco. Just, you know, no, don't, don't don't keep James Franco in there. Like, get, get uh, rid of him. A rehabilitated James Franco, I'm going to say. Uh, which... Even then, like, please no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's I want th- to enjoy the th- film. <laughs> let's throw Joseph Gordon-Levitt in there instead of um, James oh, Franco. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. 
a real spark plug. Mm. Oh, I forgot I forgot to mention one of my favorite scenes before, like in the iconic. I just remembered it now. Like, I mean, it's not it's not really iconic, but just the um the interrogation scene and they're they're attacking the dummy. It was so damn good. That is just clean comedy. It is just perfect. <laughs> he doesn't know anything, man. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, so yes, sorry. Keep going, Steve Buscemi, because yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't nominate either of those police officers, but no, dum- the, the, the dummy gets a, a nomination. Um, <laughs> hang in there. <laughs> I, so the people that I wrote down, even though I think there's probably a, a clear winner, uh, Pat Finn, who plays the cop Rick. I just love when he's like, who's the goose? I am. Like, he's such a dork. Yeah. Um, Dave uh, Bannock. He, he improvised most of those lines. Oh, like, really? Yeah. He he was so good. <laughs> he's someone that I don't know what I've seen him in or if he's been in anything good. Like, I did look at his IMDb and it was just like, yeah, nah, don't know. But I definitely feel like he's a face that I know, whatever, yeah, for, whatever it's Very from. much a character actor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Hal Sparks. I just love that name. Sounds like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Lantern or something. He, he played Zoltan, who... Um, wasn't like an amazing character, not as cool as it would have you believe with all the hand signals that led up to his reveal. <laughs> but I do like how he kind of came down the stairs like he was, um, you know, on the prices right or something, high fiving yeah. everyone. <laughs> um, Charlie O'Connell, who I assumed was Jerry O'Connell until I looked it up. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell's probably had the more established career, but Charlie's been in a lot of stuff as well. So. Shout out to him and Stone Bash in Time. Like, that was yeah. always funny. <laughs> um, Dave Bannock and Christian Middleton. I, I wrote those names down together because they are the two um, Nordic aliens who yeah. are just, like, hilarious in their European accents the whole time whenever they show up. Um, just that offbeat, off kilter kind of weird Europeanness that's just hilarious mm-hmm. to me. But I think Andy Dick probably deserves the award. I'm, I'm open. No, to, to no, other... I I reckon Brent Spiner. So who's that? Brent Spiner was the was the captor of oh, of right. Andy Dick. I think he was amazing in that and and honourable. Uh, honourable, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, is, he, is he the one that went uncredited in the movie? He went uncredited and yeah. he actually came out later on saying that he actually regrets that decision that he went uncredited because it just makes him seem, you know, all yeah. high and mighty when, when really he had a good time on set. Like, Yeah, why do you think he did that? Again, I think he just didn't want to be associated with the film, but I think he steals That's, that scene. Yeah. Like he is so good in in that scene. Um, it's funny that I, he would do the movie if he doesn't want to be associated with the movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's kind of like people who direct the movie and then change change the director's name to Alan Smithy <laughs> because they don't want to be credited with it. That's oh, funny. Okay, um, let me think about this. So, I, I was going to say Andy Dick. From the same scene, you were going to say Brent Spiner. Yep. I mean, oh, I, I love me some data. I but... mean, they were both very funny um, in that scene. Can they share the award? 
Is it is this the first time that we we're actually going <laughs> to just give it to a scene? I wonder if we've done a shared award before. I feel like it's has to have come up in the 77 episodes before, but you know what? They both do half. They both <laughs> They both it's kind of like a they're they, working together. It, it works it's, because yeah, they're a they're, duo. they both just turn up in the scene, yeah. do do what they need to do, and then they then they exit. Um, yeah. I was just going to say brown. It, was, <laughs> <laughs> it would be great to give the Spark Plug Award to a guy called Hal Sparks, but it's it's going to go to Andy Dick and uh, Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner. So there you go. Dual, dual, first ever dual winners, as far as I can recall. Trevor, this is going to be a question that you're going to have to sigh before you answer. Of course. Is it, is it still a good movie? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, look, there are parts that are great. There are parts that are just so problematic that I can't recommend other people to to watch it without a massive disclaimer saying mm. that it was a much earlier time. I... All the views in this in this film do not do not represent my own. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Massive disclaimer. Uh, and I kind of sad that I watched it again, going, oh, oh, oh. This is just leaving a bad taste in my mouth all the way through. Mm. Still had a good time, and I still watched it twice. But it's because um, I wanted to do my homework. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that the uh, all the problematic stuff faded from your memory over time, mm. isn't it? But um... it is. But then again, back then, you know, 20-year-old me is a much different me. Like, 20-year-old me probably didn't have the same sort of views and think about things in the same sort of way. Whereas now that I'm a father and I'm thinking about how I want my son to treat other people and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it kind of, it hits, hits home a lot harder that, you know, just be nice to people. Don't, don't punch down. (laughs) Yeah, when we when we were saying about could you make this today, a lot of that stuff you certainly would not get anywhere close to to doing today. Um, I mean, you can still do with the aliens and all that sort of stuff, yeah. and you can still, you know, have some fun with um, some other some other characters who stole some money. It doesn't have to be the same characters that you that you do it mm. with. And there's and no could, there's no clever winking or like subverting the kind of trope of of the the two guys looking out to get lucky and that kind of thing it's mm. just it just rides that all the way to the end yeah and as you said like the the conclusion of the movie is the girlfriend's breasts growing larger as if and then was... them looking at each other and they're smiling and it's like this isn't this just feels creepy yeah. and feels wrong <laughs> like they, they didn't even get a say And it's it's sort of like okay, what what happens when they take that off? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's, uh, that's what we'll find out in the sequel if it ever comes out. But um, mm. it, it, it like you know what, all the problems that um, we've talked about, it makes you think like, is a sequel going to be completely different? Like they would have to change it. Like you can't like like what I was saying is you couldn't be able to do it these days and I, mean, and I mean you could you would just get in so much trouble like the internet would crucify you for this yeah today yeah oh d- definitely i i think that if kind of like what happened with any time that someone goes back and watches tropic thunder and all this sort of stuff and the mm. uh, the outrage that sort of comes out of out of that each time 
with um, you know Robert Downey Jr. in blackface and all this sort of stuff, and they always go out on Twitter trying to you know persecute these these people. It's like, well, look, go ba- go back to go back to then. Yes, blackface wasn't wasn't the thing, but it's also his his whole thing is that he's a he's an actor who's going too far, yeah. and that's the joke. Like exactly, but in this case, it's not that self referential. It's just punching down for for the sake of punching down. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, I am going to say, is it still a good movie? That's uh, it's my I, 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 look. I, <laughs> I wanna, see why you said sigh I, <laughs> because you were expecting me to do the same. But no, yeah, I've been thinking see, about this since I Sunday. want. <laughs> I want to. I really want to say yes, but I'm going to say. No, and <laughs> this, is, this is hard. This is really hard. Cause it's really hard. My heart says yes, but with the disclaimer that you said before. like Nostalgia says yes yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the disclaimer. Okay, so. let me put it this way. If you've never seen this movie, no, it's not a good movie, and you probably won't have a good time watching it, or not enough of a good time watching it to be worth it. If you are like me and watch it a bunch of times as a kid, I think that... It's worth, instead of, is it a good movie? I'll say, is it worth watching again? I think it's worth watching again for the, for the comedy. If, uh, if you have nostalgia for it, but also as a learning experience to look at how far we've come as what, as, to as a society, to what's yep. okay and what's considered bullying and what's, um, even what's considered funny, like taking it outside the hurtfulness of, of what's in there. It's just not funny to to ridicule certain groups um over certain things so yeah, yeah um that that's what i would say and i i i want to I, I hope that it wasn't malicious at the time but you don't really know what people are thinking when they make these things and um but also you know. it was it wasn't the there wasn't the social media and that sort of stuff where where people could actually have a voice and say yes. that they weren't happy about these things. So that's something yep. that we've got now. Um, yeah. Yep. And if you want to use your voice to tell us what you think of this podcast, of course you can do so with your Apple, Spotify and Podchaser reviews and ratings. We'd love five stars if you are so inclined. You can subscribe, share it with your friends, grab your 8-bit merch over at shop 8 bit net if you want to help out what we're doing over here you can head to the Kofi page that's ko-fi.com slash we are 8 bit Trevor is there anything you'd like to plug yeah I have a podcast called Bitstorm uh, as we mentioned at the top it's a comedic game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design you can check us out at podchaser.com slash bitstorm there's like nearly 300 episodes there like mm. Don't have to what you don't have to listen from the start. You can listen from the latest episode, and if you like it, go start going backwards, and yeah, and see see where, you know, did did we get better over time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, for the tagline being two guys that know nothing about uh, game design or or comedy, you, you certainly know a lot about game design and comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, but I, I think I think that's that's one of the one of the things that we started the tagline back in you know episode one 
you know, as as a bit of a laugh, saying that we don't know anything about it, and then we just kept it going because, you know, I think in episode one hundred we said we know a little bit about it, and then we went back to we know nothing about it. Like <laughs> we realised that we we can't say that we know a lot about this sort of stuff because there's so much to know. Sure, sure. Um, and where can people catch you on socials? Uh, at Bitstormcast, um, at Trev H Scott uh, on both on both on. Twitter, and then don't bother looking for me on Instagram. I never post anything there. In fact, I never post anything on on Twitter either. Sure. <laughs> if, if there's postings, it's usually Ben, my, my podcast partner, doing all the postings yep. on the Bitstorm socials. So don't look for Trevor at all. Just um, you can just... you can look for me and follow me if you want. You just you get a lot of likes of you know Jono stuff and retweets of that. <laughs> great, great, great. Yep. And you can catch me on socials at Jono himself, dear listeners. Thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind. Rewind. Shibby. (laughs) Shibby.